morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. Host Lewis Alvin with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, two tools for trying to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go ahead give us a call. It's 291-6901. And should you happen to be out of our local listening area, you can always use a 225 area code in front of that number. And you can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. That's absolutely right. We always love hearing from our out-of-town guests and our in-town guests as well. You That's it. Call. We're glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. Now, things that happen in South Louisiana don't necessarily happen in North Dakota. Well, that's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd like to think vice versa, but I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know, right? There are definitely some things going on down here. <laughs> yeah. Probably don't happen anywhere else. <laughs> I can believe yeah, that. A lot of them are good. So. That's it. <laughs> we can't complain too much about all that today of course we take call any topic you might have but we talk a little bit about tire pressure monitoring systems because uh-huh. it's a relatively new system on cars it's been out since 07 or before that but before mandated. that in a different type of yeah, system it became mandated i think in 07 uh-huh. and uh, so all cars after that will have some type of a tire pressure monitoring system and that's right. A lot of people don't know what that is if they've never seen it come on. If you never had a flat tire or a low tire, mm-hmm. you may drive the car for years and never even realize it's on there. Right. But it's some type of a little warning indicator. It's usually yellow, and it kind of looks like a picture of a, a flat tire, tire kind of hand-drawn. Sometimes it has an exclamation point in it. Sometimes. Sometimes if you have a driver information center, it'll just come up and say, check tire pressure. Correct. Or it may say left front tire low, right Hard, front tire low. Low tire pressure. Low tire pressure. Right. There are a whole bevy of different systems out in fact almost every car and virtually every car model has a totally different system exactly and unfortunately for the service people everyone operates a little different so it makes it a real pain when you have to go in and diagnose and well, repair and interpret this because you have to go look it up every single time and something as simple as a tire rotation mm-hmm. could throw another half hour into the job because the technician has to stop Look up that information, mm-hmm. get the tools out to reset it, whereas tire rotation may be a half-hour charge somewhere. It may turn into an hour charge That's now right. because of this system. Well, and just to tell you the amount of variation that we see, for instance, a Chevy pickup truck may just a Chevy pickup truck from, say, 2007 on up to 10 or 11 or 12 or 14 or whatever mm-hmm. may have four or five different ways of doing this right i know we've got one customer who has one i think his maybe a 10 and you've got to have the remote if you don't have the remote entry transmitter right you can't access the system you can't access the system and sometimes he drops it off because he remembers but a lot of folks come in they don't leave the transmitter just leave the key right so then you got to go through a whole different procedure mm -hmm. to try to get into that system on that chevy truck i think there's three ways to get into it Mm -hmm. you can have the remote like you were saying the door lock remote you need a, or you could have a, a Tech 2 scan tool. Right. You can access it that way, but you have to go through a, a vast menu to figure out because on some models, it was in the door module. Some models, it's in the BCM. That's right. Some models, it's somewhere else. So you have to kind of do a little is. research and find it. Mm-hmm. And the third way is there's a manual entry with a headlight switch. Right. You've got to turn it in a certain pattern, push the brake pedal a certain time, and it's all a... Inflate, deflate tires. It, it's, a, it's a real pain to do it that way yeah. because you've got to get that system precise. You've got so many seconds to do this operation. Right. If you don't do it, it just doesn't go into well, it. Well, and the average do-it-yourself or try and do this by himself at home, I mean, it right. take an inordinate amount of time to ever get it 
done if he ever gets it done. Exactly. And in some of the newer ones, none of those methods will work. On. Right. You it's have to a have whole a whole different system again. You've got to have a, a standby, a, a more, standalone yeah, scan tool. Get more tool just to do that one function. Right. I know we bought a Bartek mm-hmm. not too long ago, and it will access a lot of them. Right. It emulates the Kent Moore tool or the Miller tool for Chrysler or right. the Rotunda tool for Ford, Ford or whatever all those various tools and sundry <laughs> items are. Let's go to our phone lines with Bruce. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning. Good morning. Doing great, sir. Just called to thank you for getting me an answer on that oil filter. Okay, well, good deal. Good deal. I was hoping you were listening in that week, covered it in, in pretty good detail, but that's supposedly the official story from General Motors, and I've tried to do the research that I could do, and it does seem to hold true. I don't really see any material difference. At least it don't look any worse than what the original ones did. So. Yeah, well, uh, I would have called in sooner, but so. Well, but anyway, all thanks right. again. All right. Have a good one. Thank, Thank you, man. Mr. Bruce. Bye-bye. Bye. Right, 291-6901 is the number if you want to be part of the automotive. Hour. We'd always love to hear from you. Just give us a call, 291-6901. And should you happen not to want to be on the radio today or maybe think of something after we go off the air, you can always get your questions answered on our website. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Right. There's a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button, fill out the form, and send it in. There you go. Couldn't be much easier. Well, that's absolutely right. And while you're on that site, there's loads and loads of other things you can do. You can go to the search bar and search almost anything you want to know about a car, and it's going to probably bring up a detailed topic about it. And while I don't mind getting email and answering questions, Uh very, very, very often when I get an email, what I put is if you please type in such and such in the search bar, the information da 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 because i'm not gonna sit down and retype a thousand right words. It, right it's a <laughs> article lot, a lot easier to go to the article and read it in depth well and i don't mind recapping that for you uh-huh. but if you do a search you may very well find whatever it is that you're asking right. i can get an answer even immediately there's there's tons and tons and tons of information well on that that's site. right and i think sometimes people maybe don't understand what to call a certain item uh-huh. i know i had a lady who had written me earlier this week and her question was on brake shutter, but she okay. didn't know what to call that it. term. She says, when I apply my brakes, my steering wheel is shaking. And I simply wrote back, please type brake shutter into the search bar, uh-huh. and it'll bring up a big article with all the causes and cures and corrections and all that stuff in it. And it was very easy. But if you just don't know that, right? you don't know what to search for, I can understand. Mm-hmm. It can be kind of difficult a lot of times. And everybody calls everything a different thing. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> even in the business, even among the trade, everybody has a different word for everything. They so do. It can get real difficult, I guess. Let's go to the phone line with Mike. Good morning, Mike. Yeah, thank you for taking my call before, and, and you've really helped me a lot. And I hope this time I'm sure you will be also. I've got a 1995 F-150 pickup truck. It's got uh-huh. two fuel fuel tanks. Yes, mm-hmm. one of them have a fuel pump. Right. I've changed them several times. I've been doing the job myself, and it's a heck of a job to, to yep. drop that tank. So my question is, is there a difference besides the increase in price of fuel pumps. I've got a couple of them over through the internet and changed two of them, changed one tank twice, and changed the other one once, and both of them are out now, so yeah. it starts to get kind of costly. i tell you what, Mike, I have seen a huge, huge, huge difference in parts that people are purchasing on the internet and bringing in or putting on their cars. Yeah. And the OEM part, I find it is way cheaper just to pay a little bit extra to get the OEM part. We see those parts don't even work right out of the box many times. Uh, yeah. I had a guy with a little Bronco this week who came in who just changed both of the cinder units in his vehicle because his fuel gauge wasn't working. 
Mm-hmm. Well, he changed both. Well, now one of them worked for a while. The other one still didn't work. And then after about two weeks, that one quit working again. So he says, right. well, it must be something else. So he brings it in. We check it, and both center units are bad. One right out of yeah. the box, and the other one lasted a week. Yeah. But, yeah, that stuff, yeah, it's kind of like I always tell people. You don't always get what you pay for, but you never get more than you pay for. Right. Most of that stuff is knockoffs, is clones, is stuff made offshore, and they take an old part, they look at it, oh, yeah, we can make that, and they make it just like the worn-out old one they had. No quality control standards or anything else. You know, There's just not that much markup in auto parts. I know people think that they're going to buy something 100% cheaper. Well, you it's see it. Just you not, see it all the time, yeah. but you're com- you're not comparing apples to apples. Right. You're comparing apples to oranges right. there, and you, don't realize there it. There just isn't that much markup. I know from a shop, normally you're going to make about 25% between retail and list price. Okay. So if you see anything more than 25%, you, something's wrong. You know, it's just yeah. not that much markup in it. And when you see a part, say, from Ford that costs $500 and you can buy it for $80 on the Internet, something's definitely, definitely wrong. But we see that all t- the time. I don't use that stuff at all. I just can't afford to because when I put something on, it goes bad. i got to pay a man to change it, plus i got an angry customer, plus i got the scheduling time and all that. So it's just way too expensive for me. I stick with OEM parts wherever I can unless I have a part I know is better than the OEM, which there are a few. But not yeah, very wh- many. Where can just a regular guy get uh, get these OEM parts? Well, from? you should go to the dealership. Just go to the Ford dealer now. On ninety five, they probably Maybe. still support that fuel pump. They have the make problem even worse is after a few years, Ford discontinues parts. So a lot yeah. of times you can't get those good parts anymore, and now yeah. you're just stuck with whatever you can get. You can get Motocraft on a ninety five, which may or may not be the OEM part, but at least it's a good part. So I would probably look at a Motocraft fuel pump and expect to pay maybe $100 more for it. However, how many times have you changed it and what's your time worth? Right. Plus getting broke down somewhere, you know? Yeah, really. Towing. Yeah, and towing. <laughs> That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate this call, and I'm uh, certainly going that direction. I want to keep my old truck. Oh, yeah. I can work on it. It's just kind of hard crawling around on your back and it is. Uh, oh, yeah. going through that process. It, it really it's, is. And, you know, Mike, one thing we see a lot on those old dual tank systems is unless you're driving it a whole, whole lot where you're burning both tanks out pretty regular, mm-hmm. what happens is that fuel sits. And what we got to remember is that fuel has changed in the last 10 years. Now we've got ethanol in it. It goes through phase separation in about two or right. three months, which can eat right. up a fuel pump. Right. So what a lot of people who don't drive that much is they just pick a tank front or back and they convert it to a one tank system just quit using the other tank right usually elect the biggest tank yeah and it will last your pump will last a whole lot longer if you're keeping your fuel changed out and keeping it fresh yeah. any, any kind of pump will what exactly in these pumps goes out why are the oem pumps much better than the others well it's just uh, like it or just like anything else if you can make anything cheap you know if i build a house and I pour three inches of concrete in the slab, and I put two hinges on every door instead of three, and I yeah. use two-by-fours, and I put them 24-inch on center instead of 16, yeah. and, and yak, 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 yak. I mean, I can build a house cheaper, but yeah. it's just not going to hold up. It's just a cheaper-built design. Okay. And on and on and on it goes. I mean, we see it in pretty much everything. And today, with all the imported stuff in our markets, we see it even more. I mean, how many houses do they have to tear down because they put inferior sheetrock in them? Yeah. And how many houses burned down with aluminum wire? <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's just inferior grade stuff. There's, there's just almost an endless number of things they can do to make something cheaper, but it's just not necessarily in your best interest. Right. Well, right. Uh, again, uh, thank you for your program. Thank you for your time, and thank you for your help. Yes, sir. Thank you, Mike. Bye-bye. Okay.
All right, we're going to take a quick little break, but we will be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. I get your kicks on Route 66. Hi folks, Louis Aldazan here from Agco Automotive. This year we celebrate 40 years in business, and man, I can't believe all the calls we receive from national dignitaries. Louis, it's the governor. I'm taking time out from my new movie to congratulate you on 40 years. I got to run, but I'll be back. Louis, hey, I'm playing golf with an old friend, and we wanted to call and say that 40 years is quite a run. Louis, that is absolutely splendorific. <laughs> hey, Louis, James here, 40 years, wow. You know, there's nothing more I like than a good homegrown Louisiana success story, except, well, maybe pilot ticking and my tigers. You're up now, you hear? Well, I'm flattered. I guess even in the world of politics, honesty and integrity are still something to value. Okay, well, maybe outside the world of politics. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Hey, welcome back. You just joined us at the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Tree Tools, we're trying to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go ahead and give us a call. It's 291-6901. And we were talking a little bit about tire pressure monitoring systems and such as that. And if you have a question about that or anything else, you give us a call. It doesn't mean that you got a call on that particular topic just because that's what we're talking about. That's right. And we'll ask us a question on anything you got. We'll definitely entertain try to mu- a, muddle through it. <laughs> entertain a question on anything automotive related. That's right. The earlier tire pressure systems, when they first started coming out, what they did, and I thought was a very wise move, they looked at the vehicle that they already had. Right. And they had an analog braking system already in place on most vehicles. Which, in an analog braking system, the ECM, which is the electronic brake control module, mm-hmm. monitors each wheel speed. It has a sensor on each wheel, and it knows how fast that wheel is spinning right it knows how fast that wheel can slow down and if it sees anything out of the ordinary it starts working the abs well and the way but it like, works if a tire gets low on air it gets shorter uh-huh. and when it gets shorter it has to turn faster to keep up with the other tires and Correct. It, it can perceive that faster rotation and it can infer that okay what's going on here it has to be a low tire because the tire certainly just suddenly sped up uh-huh so it was a very, very good system. Didn't work. Yeah, it didn't involve any additional hardware. That's any right. Additional, a little good. bit of extra software was all. You had your regular valve stems that's been in tires for years, mm-hmm. still in there. The rims, they could use any rim they wanted. And like you said, everything was already there. They just did a little software work, and now they have another feature. Mm-hmm. That didn't cost anything additional to install. Right, and, and the driver didn't end up paying a whole lot extra. But at some point, they decided, for whatever reason, that wasn't good enough, and they well, went to the current system. Some of your cars didn't come with analog brakes. Some well, of your smaller cars. Very so few. There were very few, but there were some. But those cars couldn't be equipped with a right. with a TPMS. Seems to have been easier to put ABS on those cars. You would <laughs> think so, yeah. Than to re-engineer the whole system. But exactly. what they came out with is what we have now, which is a transmitter in each of the tires correct it kind of takes the place of the valve stem right and we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more but first we're going to catch chris good morning chris top of the morning to y'all guys how you good doing morning. Question. i have an old michelin tire it just happens to be on an acura slow leak 
Is there anything in a can worth buying? I looked at any nails, any tracks. Nope. It's a small league. i got to add air once a week. Yeah, it's um, going to have something in it. First, uh, Chris, what you're going to need to do, probably break that tire down, have somebody break it down, take it off the rim, and then you'll be able to find it. A lot of times you'll have a little tiny nail or something in it that you can't see from the outside at all, but you can see it from the inside pretty easy. Now, first thing you need to do is check the date on that tire. Yeah. I see how you said an old Michelin tire. We, how old tire are we talking about? Three uh, years? to the end of its life. Six years? Five or six. If yeah. it's over six years, it's not worth fixing. Yeah. It's not going to be safe anyway, and it may be just dry rot. What we've seen on a lot of tires when they get more than six years old, the sidewalls will start cracking, and it'll just leak through those little tiny cracks. And, and not only that, nothing you can do with it. As that tire dry rots like that and cracks, when you go to take it off the rim, the bead will tear as it comes off the rim, and then the tire's no good yeah, anyway. It can't be put back yes, on. So Kind of dry rot it also. Right. Go to take it off the tool just tear, so buying tear a can to fix this flat or anything won't save me any time buy me any time i no, wouldn't do it no it's not gonna do it okay. and, and if you got i don't know if that car is a little bit old probably doesn't have a tire pressure system on it like we were talking about today but that fixed flat will ruin the tire pressure system so you got to be a little careful with that normally what we see with that stuff it doesn't really do any good and it gets a liquid in the tire that can give you a vibration you can't figure out then you got to go try to clean it all out and yes, not only that when you dismount it you make a mess all over the machine, and the technician is trying to do it, and yeah. it just doesn't work. It's fine for lawnmower tires or you know yeah. stuff like that, but, man, I hate that stuff in car tires. Yeah. I really do. I've never really seen where it does much good. All right. Thank you all. Okay, all man. Right, thanks. Sir. Bye-bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, we'd love to have you. Go ahead and give us a call. We're talking about the newer systems and how they have a transmitter uh-huh. in each of the wheels, and... When they first came out, there's a little battery in each one of those transmitters. Right. And what they noticed was that those batteries are going dead pretty fast. Uh Uh-huh. And the battery is integral to the transmitter, so when the battery goes dead, you have to replace transmitter. Right. It's all in circuitry and a circuit board, and then it's covered with a... It's like a a epoxy epoxy or or something. Yeah, Yeah. It's all sealed in. And you may have four of these and one in each wheel on the car. Some cars have five, so it can get pretty expensive pretty fast. So what they did a little bit later on when they realized how fast these were going out, they used to be that they would send a signal like every 30 seconds or so Uh to the receiver. And what they did is they made it put an additional piece of hardware or software in that little circuit board, and now they only transmit when the car is rolling. Right. There's when the tire starts to turn, they will go ahead and send a signal. So what you may notice is that when you get in the car – and you start it, there's no light on, and then when you start driving, the light pops on. Right. And that's because you had a low tire, but it doesn't start to transmit until it sees the tire turning. And the reason they went to that system is because it saves that little transmitter sending a signal. Right. They can, they when, can save the battery on it. They put it in sleep mode when it's not rolling. Mm-hmm. And it, it saves the battery, makes the batteries go out probably eight or ten years instead of, instead of four or five. Four or five, right. Right. They, but you bring up a good point in that, regardless of the system you got it's a perishable system correct it's got an internal battery that battery like any battery in the world is eventually going to die when the batteries start to die first thing is light pops on Mm because you lose communication so light pops on you check the air in your tires there's no low tire on it and what the heck's going on so what a lot of people do at that point is they say well they just we're just going to disregard ignore it yeah but what is happening is that when you do that, you're disregarding a pretty handy system on your car, a pretty handy safety system. But I do understand the cost of fixing it and all that. Currently, 
at least in Louisiana, it's not mandatory that the system is working to get an inspection sticker. However, uh-huh. that could change at any time. Right. All we need is a politician to get a, <laughs> get a whim and decide to pass a law. But currently, it's an optional system, and if you don't repair it, you're free to. You just go uh-huh. home about your business, and you check the air and your tires manually. However, where I was going with all this, what will happen is that one day the light pops on, you check the air and your tires, they're all good. So now you've got a decision to make, or actually two decisions to make at least. Number one, do you repair it? And number two, if one battery is dead, then you know all the other batteries are probably not too far behind. They're all the same age. They're the same exact age. They have been turned the same exact number of times. What we see very often is someone will come in complaining, and they'll say, well, that light came on, and I took it somewhere, and I had it fixed. And, and now the light's back two on. Two weeks later, it's back on again. The guy didn't do a good job. Uh-huh. No, no, he did a good job. It's just that another one has gone out. Right. It's not the same one because he put one in the right front. Now it's saying left rear, and, and there's only one light. So it's easy to make blame and all, but fixing blame very seldom fixes a problem. Right. What happens is when one goes bad – the others are not going to be too, too far behind. Some of the real late model vehicles, you can go in and read the battery life remaining mm-hmm. with a scan some, tool. Some manufacturers give you that option. Some don't. Mm-hmm. I know that Bartek we got on the Chrysler, I think it is. Chrysler gives the battery remaining a percentage of, percentage of life. The, right. Mm-hmm. I noticed that on the Silverados and most of your GMs, they don't. Yeah. and It just tells you NA, right. which is not available. So. I mean, like you said, you got one bad, you know the other three ain't far behind or four right. are far behind. Well, and that's another thing we see a lot is that people will go in, they'll check the air in all the tires, and they'll assume they got a bad sensor, but they forgot, okay, well, the, this particular system also checks the spare. It's a five-channel. Right, and right. the spare is low. So I've seen people needlessly go in and have a system diagnosed only to find out. In fact, it's happened to us a number of times. That people the spare is low. And brought in and say, I know I've got a bad sensor. I want to have a system checked. Uh-huh. So, okay, well, how you know you got a bad sensor? Well, light's on. Okay, but how you know you got a bad sensor? Well, I've checked the air in all the tires. Did you check spare? Line goes dead. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Go check spare coming back. I know Toyota's big on the five-channel system, and I noticed that the Chrysler has also gone on to the, the five-channel system. Right. To me, that is the best use of the well, system. I mean, because I mean, the if spares you, was, I'm going to know about the motor. Exactly. If they could just go to one. Right. Just put it in the spare. That would be... That would be world's, right. world's better than anything else. So, hey, we got to take a quick little break. Mike, you hold on. We'll be right back after the break. Hey, Lewis Alvesan, Magco Automotive. This year we celebrate 40 years in business, and you won't believe the people calling in to congratulate us. Hey, Lewis, it's Jay. You, you know, I'm in the cars myself, and 40 years of business is amazing, just amazing. You know, if I still had my show, I'd have you in the interview chat just like that. Mr. Altazan, congratulations from your old pal Jack. 40 years is quite an accomplishment, and that's the truth. I should know, because I can handle the truth. Uh, uh, Lewis, it's, it's me, Oz. 40 years. I, I can't even... Bloody amazing. Sharon, where's my cell phone? Oh, that's right. I, I, I'm on it. Now I've got to find my glasses. Well, it's been really nice getting all these calls. I guess in this day and age, people really appreciate an automotive repair shop that does good work and will never steal your own. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Now I've noise off the river to ride. Don't mind it, cause the man with the whiskers has a lot behind it. 
Hey, welcome back. Tell everybody how much we appreciate them spending their Saturday morning with us. This is Lewis from the Automotive Hour. Got Brian Terry, lead tech from Agco, sitting right here by me. Between tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go ahead and give us a call. It's 291-6901. And Mike's been patiently holding. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Lewis and Brian. I've got a 07 Toyota Tundra, uh-huh, mm-hmm. and it's got the, uh, you worked on it, you've done a, PM, a routine PM yes, sir. Uh, mm-hmm. on it for me. It's got the little uh, yellow light on the dashboard that yeah, tells tire that, that the tire pressure is low in one of the tires. That's mm-hmm. right. one. Okay. So uh, it came on a few weeks ago, and I checked the pressure in the four tires and in the spare, and they were around 30 PSI. I raised it. Mm-hmm. To 34 psi and right. all five tires right and the light just stayed on it's been on ever since this is going on probably five or six weeks yeah, now very likely and it's a dead battery in one of the sensors one or more of the sensors mike i mean if it's an 07 you figure it's yeah I, I think the 07 has a reset button for the tire pressure monitor underneath the edge of the dashboard that I, too. I did not i did not know that uh, yeah i, I think it was one of the sensors i think it does on that model if you look in your owner's manual it should tell you about how to go about resetting that system once the air pressure's correct in the tires. Right. Yeah, make sure you got the right air in all five tires and then find the reset button if it's got one. And I think you may have to push that and then drive it before okay. it, push it and hold it. It's it'll, only, t- it'll tell you, no right. manual. everyone's different, so right. I can't remember them all. It's only common to that truck, I mean, that Toyota. And we don't do that many Toyota sensors. So right. I'm vague on that system. So if it's got a bad battery in one of the sensors, it the light will come back on after. The light, yeah, the light will stay it'll on. Stay on, yeah. yeah. And you figure they're going on nine years old, so yeah, they're about right. time. You know, it's about time for one or really all of them to go out. Now the Toyota sensors are not all that expensive. I want to say they're about fifty or sixty dollars each, but, but there are five of them, and they do have to be programmed. Right. Take the number off of the new sensor, put it in the tire air the tire up, put it back on the vehicle, and then take the Toyota scan tool, access the tire pressure monitor system, and then you can go in and you can you got to re-enter all the, the tire pressure information off each sensor, and then you can reset the system. It's a little complicated to change right. the sensors right. on. Right, something that a shop should do, not me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. no, you would, unless you've got a Toyota scan tool, there's no way yeah. to really do it or, or equivalent, but uh, we've got the Toyota tools, so, I mean, we can do it. it you have to key in the little number <laughs> off of it, because it, it Part of what it sends is that signal is that number. And if that number doesn't acknowledge as a good number on this vehicle, it still won't work. Right. And you have to replace the sensor rather than just replacing a, a replaceable battery. Correct. There right. is no replaceable battery in any system that I've ever seen. I'm not saying none because, sure, as I say that, there'll be one that is. But most of the time they're sealed up because they're inside the tire, which can have moisture in the air and all that kind of stuff. They sealed them up to prevent problems. It's got a little circuit right. board, and that battery soldered into the circuit board, and then they pour epoxy over it and put it in a case. Mm-hmm. And they do it to protect it, and they last eight, nine years, and right. that's about the life of them. And if okay. one's bad, generally they're all going to be getting pretty bad. Right. It, it pays wise to replace all of them. Yeah, just, just about as soon. And what some people elect to do, Mike, is just wait until they're putting a new set of tires on mm-hmm. because you do have to break the tire down to get to the sensors. So it's kind of free from that perspective when you're changing the tires anyway. So if you're getting close on Correct. tires, you might want to hold off and just do it all at one time. it save a little money. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. All I right. did not know about the, the research. Yeah, check, check, check your uh, book because I think some of the Tundras do have that feature. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, right. thanks again, boys. Okay, man. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, we always love hearing from you. And 
we were talking about that system earlier. It was kind of a non-invasive type system that worked off the ABS. Mm-hmm. When they decided to make it mandatory in, I think it was 07, 06, right. 07, they moved and changed the way the, the whole system works. They took a transmitter, like you were saying, and put in the tire, and then they have a receiver inside of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. And it has to transfer back that way. Therefore, you have so much more cost now. Because, like you were saying, when one of those batteries goes dead, you got to take the tire off, break it down, change the sensor, mount it back up, rebalance it, put it back on the vehicle, and relearn it. Right. And rarely is one going to go bad. I mean, it, one may go bad, but, but the other's not going to be, be right. So you end up changing four or five sensors. Right. When they first came out, bolted in the valve stem instead of a, a rubber pull-in valve stem, mm-hmm. like you've seen for millennia. Right. They've now gone into used a bolt-in sensor. It actually had a nut on it, and it had a little steel cap on it. And that way you could readily just walk up to a vehicle and look at it and say, yeah, that's got the, the new system on it, or no, it doesn't because it's got the valve stems in it. Later on, went to a pull-through stem, right. which I think everybody has pretty much gone to now. I think it's cheaper to manufacture. And you can't readily walk up to it and look at it now and see that it's got a rubber valve stem in it. But the rubber valve stem is made different than the previous rubber valve stem. So that's right. if you know what you're looking for, you can look at it and tell if that system is in this vehicle or not well and you bring up a good point on the valve stems it used to be common that when you got a new set of tires you got a new set of valve stems correct but you don't do that any longer because you'd have to change the entire sensor to change the valve stem in some cases some cases they do sell just a little stem part but those stems are made much 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 higher quality than the old traditional valve stems we were used to Mm -hmm. they're generally going to be stainless steel or nickel so that they don't corrode or wear and they're generally going to have urethane seals in them so many of those will last the life of the vehicle, and if you take it out and put a regular valve stem in it, which regular, I've seen people do, uh-huh. a regular valve core, now you're doing a disservice to the customer because you're taking out better than what you're putting back in. Right. You're not putting as good of a stem back in as what you're taking out. And while we're on the, the valve core and the valve stem issue, the valve stem caps, right? the caps that come on them are, like you said, have a neoprene seal in them. They are designed for that sensor. And when you put them back on, they seal the stem up. What you don't want to do is take them off, put air in the tire, and leave them off. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because you get trash that builds up in the top of that valve stem because the cap's well, not on it. You're driving the car down rain, grit, grime, dust, dirt. All this stuff settles in that little opening around the valve stem. Uh-huh. It builds up in there, and it may just sit there for a Who year knows? or however right. long. But when you go and put a high-pressure air line on and squeeze the thing you're now forcing all that into the stem through through the valve core into the sensor right you can damage even a regular tire doing that sure a regular stem doing that and there's those little caps are on there for a purpose right now not only that but the valve stem on any tire whether it's tpms or regular is not designed as a permanent seal it's designed to hold air in the tire while it's being inflated correct the cap is the primary seal seal. right that's the seal so you don't want to run your car around without those little valve stem caps, whether you got tire pressure sensor or not, but particularly if you have a tire pressure monitoring system because the cost is going to be so much higher to you if damage occurs. Sure. Now, earlier we had a customer, or a caller, uh-huh. who was asking about using Fix-A-Flat or, or some Correct. type of tire sealant in the vehicle. Correct. That's probably not a real good idea on any vehicle. I've never seen where it works much. It can throw the tire way out of balance and cause you some problems. Sure, because it's a liquid. Once it gets in the tire, it settles to the low spot. Right. Well, at a certain revolution, 
it's going to start sticking to the side of the tire. Right. Centrifugal force is going to put in a mass. And it's right. Sling and it's going to sling around in one spot, which is going to throw the tire out of balance, which is going to cause a vibration. Right. But not only all of that, when that stuff, which is a gooey liquid that gets hard, uh-huh. technically what it does, it gets into the opening that and it's causing a leak and hardens up and seals it. Right. But when it gets into your tire pressure sensor, it doesn't know whether that's a leak or just somewhere else it's going. Exactly. Because there's a little bladder inside that sensor where it gets the pressure. And once that stuff flows into there and, and starts to harden up. That's it. Now, all of a sudden, tire pressure monitor light pops on. And you bought a new sensor, which you ruined a good sensor. All the costs we talked about before, and all that. Not only that, but it can be extremely difficult to clean every bit of that out of the tire. Sure. And if there's any left in, just a few drops, even it may vaporize when it goes down the road and gets hot, and the pressure gets on. It may start to flow around the air, and it may get in a new sensor. So, so therefore, you may have taken out another one. Well, that's right. I know I had a gentleman who came in a while back, and he said I had a flat. I took it somewhere and had it repaired. And when I got the car back, my tire pressure light was still on. Okay. Or my tire pressure light came on a few days. I think the guy who fixed the flat ruined my sensor. Hmm. And at first, I started to say, well, yeah, it could have happened. But then I got to thinking about it a little bit. And I said, when you had your flat, tell me exactly what you did. He said, well, I put some fixed flat in it first. And it still went down after that. So I brought it in and had it fixed. Okay, right. well, there you go. You ruined the sensor. There's the light was on because the tire was low. Uh-huh. You put the fix a flat in it, and that ruined the sensor. Well, lights was already on, so you ignored it. You took it in. He repaired the tire, put the right amount of air in, but the light's still on. Right. So the last guy I worked on it ends up getting the black. <laughs> <laughs> Although the problem occurred when you put a foreign material into a tire not designed to have a foreign material in it. Correct. So that's just kind of... You know, one of those things that uh, can happen going down the road there. We're going to take our last quick little break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Hi, folks. Louis Aldazan here from Agco Automotive. Our team is celebrating 40 years in business, and we're getting congratulatory calls from all kinds of characters, and I do mean characters. You know, Lewis, me and Scoob will never forget the time that you fixed the alignment on the mystery machine. Forty years is really far out, man. <laughs> Lewis, there's a lot of lily-livered varmints out in the automotive world, but not of you. You're the best north, south, east, and west of the Pecos. Hats off to 40 years, partner. Forty years is almost higher than I can count. My only complaint is that you don't give away free donuts. (sighs) Donuts. Well, it seems like high-quality automotive care in this day and age is still appreciated. I just can't believe all these characters really call. Oh, well, they always say I am quite an animated guy. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alzan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go and give us a call, 291-6901. Be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. Of course, today we're talking a little bit about tire pressure monitoring systems, but we'll uh-huh. take a call any topic you may have. That's why we're here. <laughs> That's exactly right. Fortunately, I get folks who call the shop during the week a lot of times. It's like, I need to ask Lewis something. Well, they're not going to put you online. We've got two service riders who answer the phone all day long. I don't answer the phone because I've got other duties that I'm responsible for, and I just don't have time to answer the phone. 
And unfortunately, I can't come to the phone and just chat with you. I, not that I don't want to, but I just don't have time. It takes 100% of my time just to take care of the customers that are already in the shop. So if you call, they're going to set you up with an appointment. They can answer any question you might have. And if it's something that you just want to ask me, then you can send me an email. Or, or you, can you can call, call Saturday today. morning. Yeah, per- that's right. perfect way is to call Saturday morning because that's why we do the radio show, so you can get a personal answer. But don't call during the week at the shop because I will not be able to take your call. Mm-hmm. Just I take 100% of my time to take care of the business of the folks who are in there paying my salary. Correct. And I can't. it's not fair to them for me to break away and go do that and their car is not ready or something goes wrong on their car because – Somebody got distracted. <laughs> but uh, give us a call now. That's the time. we got plenty of time left. We'll be glad to get you an answer, whatever might be bugging you. That's it. And some of the systems, like you mentioned, you just when you put air in a tire and go drive the car, the light goes out and everything's good. Right. It sees the new pressure once the car starts rolling. Sometimes it's so many miles an hour for so many minutes mm-hmm. or something like that, but it's, it's usually a lot less than what they specify. Mm-hmm. I've noticed, um, I think it's on the GMs, it's like, Five miles for over 20 miles an hour. Right. Well, in, in Baton Rouge, it's hard to drive steady for five miles. Right. And usually by the time we make the end of the block, the light's gone out and it's right. done its thing. Now, there are also a handful of cars out there that are not going to reset automatically. That's right. They have you either have to, a button or some type of a procedure that you have to go through. Correct. And those, depending on the application, you can either use that BarTech tool like we have at the shop, or you may have to get the factory scan tool out. Right to access that information I know some of the nissan products you have to have the console two or the console three to reset to, that particular system it. it just doesn't respond to anything else and another time when you may have that not only when the light comes on but if you rotate your tires some manufacturers specify a relearn procedure after rotation some don't right it just depends on the application i know most of your fords do not have a reset procedure unless the tire pressure is different from front to rear right like on your your big f-350s and, and things like that your dualies mm-hmm. any vehicle that would be lower pressure in the front or higher or vice versa different pressures front and rear mm-hmm. require a rotation procedure to reset but the ones that don't you just rotate because the way the system is set up it has an ip address on that sensor mm-hmm. and it can tell where it's located on the vehicle at any given time which is a much much better system it's in a lot less opinion. intrusive right I know some of the later model GM products, we've got a, a 15 model Suburban that we work on fairly uh-huh. regular, and that one, you do have to relearn it because it knows what position that tire's in, Right, and it does require a special tool over and above the Tech 2. A Tech 2 won't even reset it, Exactly, and there is no manual procedure. So you either have to have the Kentmore specific tool from GM, or you have to have a, some type of an aftermarket tool that can emulate the Kentmore tool Correct. to reset the thing. Just something when you buy the vehicle to weigh in if you like to. Well, I mean, by the time you buy the vehicle, that's the last thing on your mind. You know, <laughs> I mean, you're not worried about tire pressure Well, when you monitors. pay 65 grand for a vehicle, you're not thinking about $100 every time you go get the tires rotated. Exactly. But that could very well be the case. Sure. Because it's going to require some fairly sophisticated, expensive equipment to do, and requires a lot of time to do. So it just escalates the cost of servicing that particular vehicle. Exactly. Now, you can rotate the tires and leave the tire monitor sensor alone, but if you get a low tire, the vehicle can't tell you where it's at. It just says, hey, we got a low tire somewhere. Well, it'll say left front, but it might actually be be left rear. rear. Or right rear, or wherever that tire Spare, wherever it went. Right. Wherever it got rotated to, it's not going to know that. So you really do yourself a big disservice by not resetting those sensors when you do a rotation. what you've done is violated what you paid for. You paid a lot of money to get that system on that vehicle. It was included in the price of that vest. I got 65 grand. Uh And it's part of what you paid for, and now you're not getting the value for it. So 
I don't know, I guess you you weigh that in your own mind. It's just not worth it to me to spend money every time I rotate my tires. Or, mm-hmm. yeah, I like this feature, so I'm going to just park, park all the, in this car. <laughs> <laughs> Pony up the bucks to well, get it done. Well, that's it. It's kind of like buying a car with 20-inch tires. It look really cool, but you're talking 300 bucks a copy when you get ready to change these things. Exactly. And that's just the car. $1,200 worth of tires, and that's just the tire itself. That's no not putting no labor, no balancing, no, yeah. yeah, just the price of the tire. And that's more and more the case on these vehicles where they – put more and more features on and they are nice they are cool had a lady come in earlier this week with a gmc and had the automatic lift gate on it. right you push the handle and the lift gate opens by itself and you push it again and it closed by itself which is really cool yeah except this one would kind of pop open and sit there and jag and jaw around uh-huh. well that mechanism that makes that work is about twelve hundred dollars by the time you buy all the parts i think right the transmission part of it's about 600 and there's a module part which is about 400 which usually they're both bad right and on hers the latch was bad as well i Gee don't know whiz. if that caused the other two to go bad or what progression it went in but it was gonna be pretty expensive now we were able to go in disconnect the link and make it into a manual system for her, but on some you can't even do that right you have to fix it if you, you want to use the door yeah you're just not gonna be able to use that door if you don't fix because it it's so heavy you're not gonna be able to lift it oh yeah that. you'd be surprised how heavy those doors are mm-hmm but you got to remember when you buy all these cool features, they are nice, but there are a cost of maintaining them. Sure. Something. Just like anything else you purchase. If you buy a house and it's got skylights and it's got all this stuff, that's really cool, except one day that skylight's probably going to start leaking and it's going to involve <laughs> some work some, to get up there and fix it. Right. If you got a nice big wooden deck, that's great if you like it and you enjoy it. However, it's going to have to take be, some maintenance to keep it up. Paint it and all that, or it'll turn all ugly and start splintering up and what have you. A swimming pool is probably oh, another <laughs> example. That's the biggest one I can think of right away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just that's a, $100 a weekend. Yeah, you know? it's a never ending maintenance thing. And right. the same exact thing with a lot of cars. They put a lot of features on, and it's really cool to have this. You know, people enjoy these features, and that's great. As long as you realize there is a cost of maintenance that goes along with this, the backup cameras and all those sorts of things, eventually they're going to break. And when they break, the screen is going to go black. And when the screen goes black, now you have to pay somebody to fix it because you're probably not going to have the wherewithal to diagnose and repair it yourself. And not only that, with today's new vehicles, everything has got a module that runs it. Mm-hmm. You know, all you're doing when you push a switch is you're sending a command to a module. That's right. And a lot of times those modules go bad. Mm-hmm. And three to five hundred dollars a piece right and then you got to have them reprogrammed because you can't take a module out of a used car and put in this one because it has an ip address written to it right and if the pcm doesn't see the correct uh the old days when you went to a salvage yard bought a used part and put in there try to save a few bucks are just about just about i mean hard parts yeah but as far as electrical parts right all that stuff has to be programmed and it can only be programmed one time once it's programmed it's locked out that's it and it was programmed to another vehicle it's It's never going to work it's married to that vehicle. It's That's not right. coming out. That's right. Not, well, it can come out, but it's not going to ever be used again. <laughs> not going to work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When you do. I, and on the later model vehicles, some of the new stuff, if you take a module out of one vehicle, like, for instance, if your truck won't start uh-huh. and you suspect it might be the PCM. Right. And your buddy's got the same exact trucks. So he said, well, let's just take the PCM out of yours and put in this one and see if it starts. Uh-huh. Well, you do that, and you put it in there, but it doesn't start. Okay. But now, big surprise, when you take it and put it back in his, his won't start. start. <laughs> and neither one can be repaired now. Right. So, so you just bought two PCMs. Two PCMs, plus programming, plus installation, plus all that. Because exactly. as soon as you started it or tried to start it, it went out, it saw this doesn't match, and it locked it out. Mm-hmm. And they say they do that to prevent people from stealing these things, but Man, uh, yeah, the way it works out, they sell a whole lot more parts. Exactly. <laughs> so I always say, hey, kind of 
kind of follow the money there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, who knows about all those sorts of things. I see we're just about out of time. we got about a minute left. We need to start winding it on up. All right. And uh, I want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this Saturday morning, every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And go to your favorite rebroadcast service and give us a written rating if it's available. That's right. Give us a written review. It'll move us up in the ratings. And that way, when somebody types in auto repair, our show will come up so more people will listen and we can keep on doing the show. That's it. There you go. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.